Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, this is Josh Cosby. You're in Memphis, Tennessee right now, and so am I. And this song is called So Much Pain. Good job, man. 
Well, hey, welcome to another episode of Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. And as Josh mentioned earlier, we're in Memphis, Tennessee. Josh, I really appreciate you hosting me, man, and having me over. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you're here. I'm, this is the first thing we've ever done in this little studio shed in my backyard. Yeah. So. Well, I'm excited. It's one for the archives. Yeah, let's put it in there. <laughs> that means I gotta kill you now. <laughs> Great. Well, this will never air. Yeah. <laughs> That's, but, but um, Josh, let's talk a little bit about growing up. Memphis born and raised? Yep. And so along what time did music really become a part of your life? Was it, you know, growing up in a house full of musicians or something on the radio? Um, well, there's a few things. Um, going to church every Sunday and Wednesday and mm-hmm. Friday and my dad and my mom were both kind of radically saved Christians, young, mm-hmm. and uh, they befriended a church kind of in Frazier, kind of in the ghetto, and a little shotgun church, shotgun uh, basement, shotgun upstairs, mm-hmm. and there was a piano in there, and they would, you know, the lady would bang away and sing, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Yeah. And... You know, that, those were probably the first, like, noises, you know, of music. And I definitely was a, in my mom's womb when I was hearing that. Because yeah. this all started with my brother. And I have a brother and a sister okay. that are older than me. I'm the youngest. And so this was going on, you know, when my they got saved and started going to that church when my mom was pregnant with my brother. Mm-hmm. So that kind of started, I think those were probably the first sounds you know that I heard was gospel you know music yeah so just as infant coming out I mean yeah patting your fingers on the pews and yeah patting your toes on the yeah. floor and seeing people dance and it was kind of a church where you know people were speaking in tongues to and be a little lively yeah they would grab what my dad was real funny though he was like you know I remember one late one time one lady grabbing the American flag in church and running around the church in circles and screaming in tongues. Yeah. And I, I was just a little kid and I tugged my dad's arm and said, "What's what's she doing that?" And he goes, "Oh, well, you see, you can't see it, but this this church has a rat ghost and those rats are chasing her and she's scared to death." <laughs> yeah. And there's Thanks a kid there laughing. He could have sat there and explained to me the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, and this whole, like, theology. Yeah, but it's but, rat ghost. Yeah, but it's rat ghost because he knew I'd laugh. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of my dad in a nutshell. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, there's that. And then we got really, really um, lucky. And I, I went to an elementary school that had, you know, first grade through sixth grade, the whole school. And, and this was a little bit outside of Fraser, a little bit into Raleigh in Memphis. Okay. Still kind of like... A bad part of town, but there was this diamond in the rough, like elementary school. Elementary school, and it was new. It was brand new. We were the first class, the first grade. You know, the first oh, wow. year, and my parents somehow got us in there. They didn't have any money, but I think they waited in line for like a week. Yeah, you know, camped out, and um, their music teacher, Miss Medley. Perfect name. Right? That's her real name, <laughs> Karen Medley. Yeah. Now that I'm older, I'm like, she must, either she was smoking pot, or she had, once in her life, a lot. 
because she she was a true musical like hippie yeah. and just celebrated any the arts in, the arts and any inkling inside of you to do something mm-hmm. creative and um, so f- literally from first to sixth grade you know she saw that I like I, I inclined to doing that and to music so mm-hmm. she would like just support that and love on that and like started giving me solos to sing and and yeah, it's really um, nourishing that yeah idea and looking back on it if that hadn't happened yeah I mean I probably never would have even gotten involved in in music yeah because that was the foundation right and we were just, the instrument was voice at that time. There was no piano or anything involved. No, yet. no piano, no guitar, just singing. Like I even like gotten a few plays where I got paid and and all that. You know, yeah. like Five Goes West, like somewhere out there, and stuff like songs like that. Okay, ballads and, yeah. and things. And that was just first through sixth grade. And then what about middle and high school? Okay, so that's where things kind of took a, a turn. You know. I do have to give credit to my brother first. My brother taught me how to like do cool stuff with my voice. Okay. Like, cause my brother similar story, but uh, not that school. He got more involved through church. Okay. And um, he has he has his own story. And sitting up late at night in the bunk beds in the dark, mm-hmm. he would like like Josh, do you know how to you know like you know how to sing? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, sing like you know. Do you know how to go? Oh yeah, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it. and he's like, no, 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 you run. Do you know how to run your voice? Like, ooh, and he's like doing that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what is that? And he's like, oh. and he like explained it to me visually. You know, we're in the dark. Mm-hmm. He goes, you know the steps outside our trailer, right? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, like, uh. he's like, four steps. There's four steps you go down. And I'm like, yeah, and he goes, so. Imagine your 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 notes are your steps, so you're on the outside of the trailer. So you're going, ooh yeah, and I'm like, ooh yeah, and he's like, now stumble down the stairs, ooh yeah, ooh yeah, you know, and it's like, okay. oh, oh, I get it. Yeah. And so that kind of helped me learn a little bit for what I was getting prepared for. Yeah. So in middle school, I ended up going to Craigmont, which is like predominantly african-american school you know it's like it was the best school in the area once Mm -hmm. again my mom like waited in line trying to get you in in the morning like for three days trying to get us in but it was also a culture shock because the school i came from was i mean it was all races like hispanic african-american elementary school was like it was like this artistic it was like almost like a montessori school you know kind of looking back on it but Craigmont was like they were bussing kids in from schools that they didn't like you know like they these kids were bad kids so they were bussing in kids from different schools all over Memphis kind of like just trying to cram them in because it was a big school yeah and so so a lot of animosity a lot lot immediately violence and fighting and words I had never heard you know curse words yeah it was and it was the best school you could go to in Memphis, like in that area. Like it was a great school, essentially. Yeah. You know, and so. It was a hellhole. But it was a hellhole. It was where I learned fear for the first time. It was like where I learned racism for the first time. You know, I, I had I'm a white kid, and I was experiencing racism from black kids. Yeah. 
and I, I didn't even know what like what what was happening. And yeah. finally, this kid like like slammed me against the locker and was like, "Cause you're a white boy." And it was like, "Oh yeah. my God, he's talking about my skin color." Yeah. So that was weird, you know. Yeah. And that was crazy. Coming from an elementary school that was a melting pot of colors and races. And right. Like we didn't see it. Yeah. 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 Anyway, all that being said, seventh grade talent show. You know, first year and. Um, they like, they were like, you can, you know, sing a song if you want. And I was into R&B and like, you know, Boys to Men, which yeah. was a huge building blocks in uh, me learning music and singing music. First secular music I probably ever heard was Boys to Men, Michael Jackson. And um, at that time, Tyrese was real big on the radio, Sweet uh-huh. Lady. So I sang Sweet Lady and had it all like planned, like, there, there was this really like crescendo part of the song where he goes like whoa whoa I, and I couldn't do it it mm-hmm. was like really hard for me mm-hmm. so I'm like I'm gonna like kinda do it but I'm gonna jump off the stage at that moment uh-huh. and no one will know that I couldn't hit the note yeah, cause it would be too busy watching you jump watching off you the jump stage you got showmanship yeah. going and I did that and people freaked out and like this girl started screaming and like I grabbed her hand and she started quivering and fell to the ground <laughs> and anyway I it, I don't think there was a winner <clears throat> I don't even know if I won but immediately it was like I went from being like a white boy yeah. to being like oh what's up singing boy man hey you can sing cool sing me a song sing me a song mm-hmm. sing me a song you know and and so I was like yeah I was in yeah. I was in and it was like so singing became my way to not get beat up or harassed. Yeah, you had talent to bring to the table. Yeah. So for 7th and 8th grade, music was like my survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. And so with guitar and piano, was that coming in the line yet? No. Still just singing? Still just singing. And so going to high school, totally different experience once again. Yeah. So I tried the same trick. Mm-hmm. Ninth grade. Oh, by the way, high school... We moved out to Millington, Mumford, which was like pre- predominantly white. Mm-hmm. So you're like, you know, culture shock once again. Culture shock, you know, once yeah, totally culture shock. Like being raised in Fraser and Raleigh, ninety, you know, like I'm seeing mostly African American people since I was a baby and communicating. Like that was my world, mm-hmm. and now I'm seeing nothing but white people, and like dudes in big trucks listening to rap music. But like, gangster rap. Yeah, gangster rap. But then like saying the n word and being racist. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what is you know like that was like weird. That was a culture shock. It was offensive. So it's ninth grade. There's a talent show. Freshman year, first year in the high school. I get on stage and I sing acapella. Brian McKnight's Anytime. Yeah, which is a great song. Piano. Uh, Brian McKnight's so good, by the way. Like a lot of people don't know, he's an incredible guitar player. Mm-hmm. He writes a lot of his songs. He's so good. So I sing it, and the girls are screaming and, like, going crazy. And it's like, I did, like, I'm in. I'm, oh, this is great. So you thought. So I thought. That day, I, like, go in the bathroom to take a piss, and three dudes follow me in. Yeah. And there's, like, this one dude, and he's like, hey, hey, faggot. Yeah. And I'm like. What? He's talking to me and he like shoves me while I'm peeing. Yeah. And he's like, I'm talking to you, you faggot. Yeah. You know, we're gonna you think you're hot, 
you know, singing songs and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, taking all the women? And I'm like, yeah, taking all, like, all the girls. And I'm like, he's calling me a faggot. And I'm getting But the, the girls like me. And he's wet. You know, and, and that was just so he's confusing. Confused. Yeah, uh, and that, that's what he did. He threw he threw a ball of wet toilet paper on my head. And he, he wanted me to fight him. You know, he shoved me after that. And I just walked Blew away. It off, yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't, I'm not a fighter and I didn't want to fight. Not that kind of a fighter. No. That's not the kind of fight worth getting yeah. in. So, long story short, high school goes by. I'm with the weirdos. You know, I'm with yeah. the, the freaks and the creeps. And we're, and, and R&B transitions in to heavy metal, to corn, and to slipknot. Oh. And so to, the whole influence is changing. Changes. And this is all a lot because of uh, my brother and the local bands in Memphis and mm-hmm. like going to shows at the New Daisy. There was this band, Crippled Nation, okay, in Memphis. Well, they changed their band name a few times, but I think at their peak they were Crippled Nation. And uh, they would sell out the Daisy, which is a big venue downtown. Every time they played, everyone was waiting on them to see what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. And my brother was also in a, a lot of a big band in Memphis, Cloud Cloud Nine. They were like in Millington, and they were also downtown and tour. He was in a, my brother was in bands doing that. So it's like, on one hand, I like watch my brother doing all this stuff, and I'm the little brother mm-hmm. syndrome. So I'm kind of like, I don't want to do what he does. Yeah, you know, but you secretly do want to be like your big yeah. brother. So I'm like, I'm going to be a history teacher. I'm going to be a school teacher. Yeah. Like I love his, I, I loved history in high school. And then uh, the lead singer of Cripple Nation, he knew I could sing because he knew my sister and he knew my brother. Yeah. And we can all sing, my sister and my brother. Yeah. My parents can't, as far as I know. <laughs> wild how it went down. So we, we weren't influenced, you know, like. But it, it was does, the womb, man. Yeah, it does run in the family. It was church. It was the yeah. gospel. It was the holy rat. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> it goes back to that, yeah. So one night, uh, the lead singer of Cripple Nation, Jeremy, mm-hmm. he uh, packed house. He had pretty much lost his voice. He was sick. And they were about to play this big song of theirs called Lifeless, and it was like a new song. And he knew I knew all their songs. And he goes, hey, he's like, hey. And he's on the mic in front of everybody. He's like, hey, you Bonnie's little brother? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, Josh. And like he probably didn't say my name. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you want to sing this song with me? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, and he grabs me and he pulls me up on this giant stage with these huge monitors and this. I look out and there's people in the balcony. There's Crowds. people on the floor, just like hundreds of people. And you're 16. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm like 16. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. 15, 16. And he hands me. He unwraps the other mic. He hands it to me. And he's like, all right, you know the words, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, gotta take a step at a time to look back on my life. And I start singing with him, and I start rapping the verses. He lets me take the first verse. He takes the second. Yeah. And we sing harmony together. And that night I went home, and I was like... Cloud Nine. Cloud Nine, which was my brother's band name. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. I was on Cloud Nine, <laughs> reaching for heights. And I was like, okay, I want to be a musician. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh. I want that. You, you know, I bit. want to entertain people, and I got bit. And then, close friends of mine knew how to play guitar, and they started teaching me guitar. They started teaching me, you know, one by Metallica. Mm-hmm. You know, a few other things you learn outside by Stained. Yeah. You know, and I started learning guitar, and then there's another chapter. But okay. That was high school. Gotcha. 
And so, I mean, just the music influence at the time, and you had this really cool opportunity. And so, after high school... Oh, wait, real quick. Okay. i got to put this in. Put it in. What Senior next? year. Okay. Did the talent show. Sang Lincoln Park's A Place for My Head with my buddy Eddie Nelson. He rapped. I sang. We jumped off the stage, ran into our senior crowd. The school erupted. So, like, ninth grade, every you know, <laughs> got beat Outsider. up in the bathroom. Outsider. Outsider. 12th grade, the senior class is the same dude that was throwing me around in the bathroom, yeah. calling me names, was high fiving me and screaming at my face, like, hap- you know, happy that I was. Yeah. And we, uh, we got disqualified for jumping off the stage. <laughs> worth but it. it. But anyway, worth it. Lincoln Park, great band, yeah. great song. Yeah, I hate Chester's Gone. I know, I do too. I think about it every time I hear his voice. Yeah. But go ahead. So, college. Or what happened? No what, what after happened after high school? Did you start full fully pursuing music? I would say that you know you move out of your parents' house, you go to Midtown, and you start. You know, my parents know this. You start smoking weed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're free to yeah. do whatever you want. You know, you're living with your girlfriend yeah. uh, and your best friend. You're, you're drinking. You're smoking. Yeah. You're eighteen. You can, nineteen, twenty. You can do what you want. Finally. Yeah. Or, you your know, own man. Your own man. But really, you're just wasting time and blowing yeah. money. Yeah. So I did that. But while I was doing that, uh, my girlfriend at the time, who I ended up dating her in high school, I ended up befriending her father. Okay. And her father, his name's Willie, he ended up becoming my, like, guru music, like, do you take this serious or not? Okay. And it's kind of remained that throughout my life. So me and her, you know, we ended up breaking up off and again, on again, mm-hmm. out of high school. And um, But me and him, I'm going to go hang out with them tomorrow or the next day and play music with them. Yeah. So we've been friends for like 15 years, mm-hmm. 17 years. He taught me, she showed me the Beatles, and then he taught me about the Beatles. And yeah. he started showing me how this part works and that part works. And you see how they cut their songs short and so I started showing him songs I was working on and he was like your song is six minutes long mm-hmm. and it sucks you know like he was the first person to tell you yeah. you suck Yeah. and all you're trying to do is get away with something like I suck he was like it's not just you like I suck like you know yeah. he was just trying to give you some good critique critique yeah because yeah. he loved me and he cared for me and he still does and so that's when the Beatles got introduced and that kind of like Changed everything. Oh man, I imagine so. You know the the, and then and then I was like the bands I was calling gay like Coldplay, all of a sudden were these great. I was listening to Coldplay and I'm yeah. like they're great. Yeah. Right. And I was listening to Jimmy Eat World and different bands that were like really starting. So I kind of let go of the like new metal. You're on stage screaming. You're having fun jumping around, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But like, and it was more like lyrics and like how can I make this song shorter. Mm-hmm. And how can I come up with a cool bridge with different chords? Mm-hmm. And and I'm learning guitar. Yeah. And so I'm doing that at the same time. And so these songs that you were bringing to him, were these metal-based songs that you were writing at this time? Or? They were they were they were more lighter. They I'd say by then I was listening to a lot of Jimmy Eat World. Okay, so you had lightened up. A lot. I had lightened up a lot, you know. You know, you're still in open D, but you're like yeah. playing these things. That's not near as fast. And... Yeah. 
and 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 I started noticing I really like the intimate songs, like the slow songs, the intimate songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy World, like, what's their name? It's like maybe it's Passengers, or it's like, it's like the eighth track off of Bleed American. Just I really like those songs, and then mm-hmm. like Coldplay, I'd really like you know, of course, The Scientist and yeah. Yellow. So, yeah, I'm really liking the intimate stuff. So I'm starting to write that kind of stuff and bring that to him. Mm-hmm. And he's helping me cut the fat off. Yeah. So six minutes, clip it down two and a half, three to three. And yeah. Two, three, well, three, yeah. And, now, and, and what's funny is that's what shaped like what I do now. Like instinctually today when I write a song, you might get me to three minutes and 40 seconds. Probably not. Yeah. But I'm probably going to write that song two minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. Three minutes. And it's, it's because of Willie mm-hmm. telling me how to trim down and listen to the Beatles. And how they included all this stuff in one little song. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, that's kind of like that period. And then Star and Micey started yeah. to form. How did that come together? That. How did the pieces come together for that? Okay, so my best friend through middle school and high school, mm-hmm. Jeff Smith, who's the bass player in Star and Micey and singer pretty much co-founded the band with him mm-hmm. y'all just did a show earlier right yeah okay oh uh, no that was jeremy jeremy okay. jeremy the singer of cripple nation plays drums for star micey okay so <laughs> full circle <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is a whole nother story and a really cool story and he still is uh, a singer songwriter finding himself and discovering and writing new songs uh not in a he's not fronting a band anymore but and he's he's incredible. That's that's, that's some really that's good who, stuff right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. But that that's who I was saying you need to get on your podcast. Now. Absolutely. Shout out to you, dude. Yeah. But uh, Jeremy Stanfield, look him up. But Jeff mm-hmm. was my best friend. He was you know we moved out together. You know like when I broke up with my girl, my girlfriend broke up with me. I'm crying. I'm crying on his yeah. shoulder. And you know like we did everything together he was always there he's like he's a six on the Enneagram even though he doesn't know it so he's like loyal Mm -hmm. super loyal he'll lead if he has to but he would prefer to follow a leader yeah big heart so he was always there to kind of like what do you need me to do Mm -hmm. do you want you know like you're not alone in this like I'll play and my sister said he'll he'll tell the story my sister's very beautiful Mm -hmm. and at the time you know I mean, she was probably like, he was probably like 16, she was 18, and she walked in the room, and I was playing acoustic, and she's like, Jeff, why don't you do anything in the band? And he's like, well, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And she was like, well, I think guys that play bass are hot. There you go. He started playing he's bass. He's a bassist. <laughs> <laughs> so he started playing bass. So that was coordinated, right? <laughs> right. Hey, before he come over, this is what you need to this do. This is what you he's need to cr- do. He's kind of crushing on you. Yeah. She just kind of said that, and... uh so in a weird way, Jeff, like me and Jeff started doing bass and acoustic guitar. I'd play acoustic and sing, and he'd play bass and sing, and we would do harmony. Mm-hmm. And I kind of would teach him some of the things. You know, I would write and come up with melodies, and then he would help and make it faster, yeah. you know, and make it fuller. Yeah. And so we were looking for a band name, mm-hmm. you know, and um, we were trying to come up with a band name. You know how that goes. Oh, yeah. It's like bad. So we had a lot of really bad band name ideas. I had one that I was I drew it on my wall in the middle of the night because I thought it was so good. And it was I woke up the next day and I told Jeff and he, the way he looked at me like, told me no how bad it was. <laughs> um, and I, I wanted to call it smooth. 
Smooth. Because I thought our harmonies were smooth. Okay. Need a little work. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Anyway, we didn't end up being called that. So, I'm living in an apartment in Midtown alone. I'm working at Starbucks, getting off the night shift at downtown at midnight. Is that how you met Ryan? Through Starbucks? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ryan was my boss. They actually let Ryan be my boss. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny story about how me and Ryan met at Starbucks, but I won't go into it. Okay. He... he he acted like he was one a new worker. So oh, like I so I would act myself around him. Yeah, and then he then he come out as being a manager. Yeah, he was such a jerk. But <laughs> that sounds like something he do. Yeah, Ryan is Ryan was a great boss, but he was also too much fun for his own good. <laughs> and so I'm closing up Starbucks, <clears throat> getting home. I'm in I'm like near Cleveland and Madison, so it's like not not bad, but not the best at one in the morning area you know you don't want to be walking alone too much in the dark so I'm like getting out of my car I'm walking to my apartment complex Mm -hmm. and I start hearing this hey 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 sir hey 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 and I'm like oh oh, no 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 I'm like rushing to the door you know Mm -hmm. and I I realize he's right behind me and he goes I don't mean no harm I don't mean no harm and I like exhale and I turn around and I'm immediately disarmed as soon as I like see his face mm-hmm. and it's like this homeless guy yeah this black guy and he's like hey I don't mean any harm I know it's late I was just looking for maybe a couple of bucks or something I had a real bad night mm-hmm. I see you got a guitar I had my guitar that was the other thing yeah and he's like I see you got a guitar like maybe you could play me a song make my night a little better and I was like F it yeah yeah so I pull my guitar out we sit on the edge of my car we start talking I play him a song mm-hmm. and then he sings me a song Okay. And and he's like halfway halfway through. Did it sound familiar? And I was like, Yeah, it did. And he's like, That's because it was a Prince song halfway through. I only wrote the first part. You know, like, <laughs> Prince is my boy. Okay. And so anyway, I'm like, Well, my name's Josh. You know, like, mm-hmm. what's your name? And he said Star. And he said on the street we all have nicknames, and mine is Star. Okay. And he's like, My ex, my ex girlfriend. Because I was said the song I sang him was about my ex girlfriend. Uh-huh. And he's like, he's like, I feel you. He's like, my ex-girlfriend was who I wrote my song about. Her name's Micey. There you go. So it's like Star and Micey. And there's a story. Yeah. And so I meet, in that moment, I said, are you okay if I name my band after you, Star and Micey? And he like, oh my God. He like grabbed me and he hugged me and he goes, uh, you want to write a song about Star and Micey? And I said, yeah, I was like, no, I want to no, name my band after you. Band after you. And ah, he like flipped out and like gave me a big hug and <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I ended up going. He didn't even ask for money after that. He was like walking away whistling yeah. and saying, "Oh, he had a high." Yeah, he had a high going, his own natural high. And I went home and I was like, Jeff, you know, here's the band name. And he's like, cool, you know. Mm-hmm. And Star ended up being a Memphis celebrity, you know, like as the band got bigger. Nice. Every you Worked know, star from Star and Micey, and people were like, "I love you, I love the band." Oh my God! Taking pictures, giving them twenties, and, and I, after a while, I'm like, "You need to get, get some of that money." Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like royalties, man. man. Yeah, <laughs> like we're the ones that are hurting here. He's just gonna go get buzzed. Yeah. So, so that was kind of like the formation mm-hmm. of Star and Micey, and, and that then, was and that was, was just me and Jeff. Mm-hmm. There's two other guys. So, how did you, the rest of the guys get interviewed, introduced? Nick Redman. So, I was about ready to hang up 
Starmicey and my girlfriend at the time, Sam, who was always a big supporter of music and Saint and uh, Starmicey, worked h- harder at it than probably I did. Mm-hmm. We were like, I was like, oh, I don't want to do Starmicey. Like, we were just playing around it a little bit. It was just me and Jeff. It was fun, but whatever you know you're young and it's like let's get an rv and drive to you know like move to canada and like yeah. live all over the united States. you know that thing mm-hmm. and we were gonna do it we got passports yeah. and i told jeff like i was gonna do it i'm gonna move away and he got pissed jeff gets real mad when you tell him news mm-hmm. and uh the next day he comes back and he's like a big old teddy bear but that's how he works because <laughs> you're disrupting his uh his safety you know his world yeah. uh but he loves you so I told him, and we were going to, like, do that, right? And so it's, like, looking like maybe we're six months out to, like, getting into that world of moving away. And, like, mm-hmm. that's it. And there's a singer-songwriter night at Neal's. Okay. Which was a bar that burnt down in Memphis on Madison and McLean. And it was singer-songwriters in the round, three guys. And it was Jeremy Stanfield, mm-hmm. who um, was the singer of... Um, Cripple Nation, mm-hmm. and by now I think they may have disbanded and broken up. So he was doing a singer-songwriter thing now. Mm-hmm. There was Nick Redman, who's a great guitar player, singer-songwriter. And then there was, I think, Van Van Duren, who's okay. a, a an older singer-songwriter in Memphis that's like had a pop hit in the 80s or a few hits, like Paul McCartney-esque. Very like smart guitar playing, smart singer songwriting. Okay, but he's he's probably in his forties. So mm-hmm. Van Duren, and so they all like take turns and you know right. And so I'm like you know like kind of like pity potty, you know about music and one night and Sam was like, why don't you get off your pity potty and go down there because they had a middle slot where you could sing a song if you're a new songwriter, you could yeah. sing a song, and so why don't you get down there and go and blah, 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 it'll be good for you. Get out, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And she's like, no, because you never know what'll happen. You never know who you'll meet. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Especially with cats like they're there. Yeah. There's no telling who they'll attract. Yeah. So I go down there. There's like pretty much no one there. Nick and them are singing. It's great to hear Jeremy's songs. And I don't really know Nick, but he's singing. And so I, I get up there and I sing a song, sing one or two songs. And, um, get down and this girl who worked with Sam mm-hmm. my my girlfriend her name was Ashley she knew Nick and she dated Nick I think mm-hmm. and she knew me because of Sam mutual friends so she was like oh you have to meet like you guys have to meet and she like grabs my hand and runs over to Nick and is like Nick this is Josh Josh this is Nick like you guys would get along together you would be great mm-hmm. And uh, she leaves, and Nick's like, hey, I saw your songs up there. That was really cool, blah, blah, blah. And turns out he thought I was, like, just a total weirdo, you know, like one of the hippies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I get it. Yeah. At the time, I would, probably looked homeless. <laughs> um, but if you took all my hair off, and I'm super handsome. You know, I just was, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't take care of myself. Yeah. I just didn't care. I took showers. Yeah. Um, just wasn't being mindful. And Nick's like, do you got anything I can have? Like music? And I'm like, oh, in my car, I think I have. I had these demos like that I was making in the basement on GarageBand. Mm-hmm. So I'd record just an acoustic and a banjo and vocals. And I'd, it was like 23 songs because I tried to write a song a day. And it was like songs about my family, nieces being born, songs about my struggles with God, like I don't understand mm-hmm. Jesus, 
I'm like, you know, do I believe? Do I not believe? So it was like kind of the spiritual conquest, like CD, badly recorded on GarageBand in the basement, right? Memoirs in the basement. Yeah. And my name scratched on it, Joshua Andrew Cosby. And uh, Nick was like, like, hey, can you put your phone number? And I put my phone number on there. And he said, he, he, he said, I remember looking at that and seeing the handwriting and going, this is going to be bad. <laughs> but he didn't say it. And so anyway, he ended up putting it in his CD player. Yeah. And he said for three weeks straight, it's all he listened to. And he was like blown away by it, obsessed with it. And he tried to get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. And he could not get in touch with me. The only number I gave him was I had a rotary phone at the house. And my roommate would pick up and be like, yeah, okay, and hang up and never tell me. Yeah. So finally I run into Nick, and Nick's like, let me get to your porch. Like, let's get... And he got a six-pack of Miller High Life, got on my porch swing, and he, like, asked me the question, like, do you... I didn't know it at the time, but Nick worked at Ardent Studios. Okay. Big studio in Memphis. He was an engineer. He went to school, you Mm -hmm. know. He was like, do you want people to cover your songs... Because you have good songs, and they need the world needs to hear them. So, do you want people? Do you want to pass those on to people, or do you want to sing them? And I was like, oh. And I was like, he had, no one had ever asked me that before. I was like, I want to sing. Yeah. And he's like, then we need to do this. And that kind of like started this world, you know, this whole new world of making all of a sudden Star and Micey a real thing. Mm-hmm. And he was, brought me. There was this. Lo- there was a long story of like him bringing songs to Art and Ardent rejecting them. This other guy that Nick worked with, Curry Weber, he let him hear it. Curry was blown away and was like, "We have to make this band known." And Curry and Nick worked night and day to try and get us in there. Long story short, we ended up getting a little mini record, like three song EP with Ardent. Nick, we needed. We had drums. Our buddy Jerry. Mm-hmm. From who was in Cloud Nine, my brother's band, mm-hmm. ended up becoming our drummer. Another long story about Jerry that I won't go into, but incredible drummer. Mm-hmm. You know, ended up leaving the band a few times because he he wants to be famous. You know, and we just weren't cutting it. Yeah, but he he means well. He had kids. He wanted to succeed. Yeah, he was talented enough to succeed. So I get it. But so we got a drummer, Jeff on bass. Me, and that's it. It's mm-hmm. like the Violent Femmes. And Curry's like, this needs electric guitar. And Nick's an incredible electric guitar player. Yeah. And so he's he's like, no, I said I ne- never join a band again. And they're like, but you got to do this if you want to make this project good. So Nick starts playing electric guitar on the songs. Yeah. And then we start playing live, and we kind of need that electric guitar. And, you know, and the joke goes, like, Nick... We never told Nick he was in the band. He just kept playing, you know? <laughs> yeah. He was a studio yeah. guy that turned into the... Yeah. you got to come out and play with the slide. Yeah. It's not the same. Yeah. I know these stories are long, but... No. They're real, you know? Yeah. And, and, and intertwined. So that's that's what the, the band was for a while. Jerry left mm-hmm. in the middle of us releasing our album. Okay. So we made an album. We ended up making a full album with Ardent. We ended up signing a record deal with Ardent didn't know it at the time but it was five albums deep so we're on a local label we've made one album we're Mm -hmm. releasing it our drummer leaves it's me nick and jeff we don't have a drummer Uh, we get a few people to fill we got a tour booked Mm -hmm. we end up playing 
we can't find a drummer. I feel like we asked Jeremy, but at the time he just wasn't ready to to do it. Mm-hmm. I think this that might have been a different period actually in Star Mice. It might have been later on where we asked Jeremy. At this time period, we started playing the drums with our feet. We didn't know about Mumford and Sons; they weren't around yet. Yeah. So I'm playing kick, I'm playing acoustic, and singing lead. Mm-hmm. Nick Redman is playing electric guitar, a pedal with a crash cymbal on it, and singing lead. We're singing Nick's songs too now. Mm-hmm. Jeff's playing, uh, block and spill, pump organ, bass, and tambourine with his foot on a pedal. Lower. So we're and we start pulling it off and it's cool and we start touring and it's not full yeah but it, it it's works. enough yeah and that's when ryan was our tour manager there's a lot of great horrible stories <laughs> he still, he still feels like he failed but he did great <laughs> with what he had to deal with yeah so we did that for a while and then um jeremy came into the picture Okay. So that was another, a whole nother chapter. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Star Mice's hitting the road pretty hard as a three piece. Yeah. Me, Nick, and Jeff. And um, we we hear that um, Jeremy, Crippled Nation, who ended up becoming the United and Streetside Symphony, they had two different band names. I think, I'm not sure. I feel like Streetside Symphony ended up being their last band name. Same band. These guys have been doing music since before we had. You know, they were... Jeremy was playing drums at like 5, 6, 7, writing good songs at like 13, 12. Mm-hmm. He'd been doing it a long time with these guys. And mm-hmm. so they have a big... They get the, they kind of get the band back together like all the original members. They're like doing their thing. They're touring a little bit. And they have a big blowout and a big fight. Oof. And the band breaks up. I think... Yeah, for good. And so Jeremy's kind of in a bad spot. You know, he's depressed about it. He's upset. We hear about it, and we're like, we're coming through town, like like in the middle of a tour, mm-hmm. and we're coming through Memphis to like get some guitar strings, and we're like, why don't we call Jeremy and be like, you want to just jump in the van and just, just open up for us the mm-hmm. rest of the tour? You know, a solo artist. He has a lot of stuff that didn't work with the band mm-hmm. that he could play. So we call him and he goes, well, if you give me enough time to wash my ass, I'll jump in the van with you. And we all kind of laugh and yeah. and literally we pull up outside of his house. He jumped in the shower. He took a shower, all jumped the in the van with the pillow. He's on the road and that kind of never stopped. And so years down the road, Star Micey kind of goes into different incarnations. We add members because mm-hmm. Nick starts writing He's Nick's real into Gogol Bordello at this time. Okay. He, or he becomes real into them. And there's like a big band with a big show back, like fireworks, you know, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And Nick is has a lot of visions. You know, he's a big, he's a dreamer, but, you know, he can specify. And so he's like, we need a big band. We need drums. We need violin. We need accordion. We need, um, and he starts writing these songs based around it. Mm-hmm. And they're great songs. They're all like train songs, like fast, like kind of like the Pogues, and you know. But if you break them down and just hear them on piano, like real slow, the lyrics are like so sad, so beautiful, um, tragic. You know, it's like. But he's playing them upbeat and fast and wants them to sound like a yeah. party. 
Yeah, you know, kind of like "Hey Y'all" of Outcast. Yeah, it's a real fun song, but if you listen to the words, it's not fun at all. Yeah, yeah. So he's writing these great songs, and we end up getting uh, Adam Woodard, who's a, a an incredible musician uh, in Memphis that's played with bands forever, and um, he plays accordion. Um, we end up getting a symphony player, mm-hmm. Jesse Munson, who plays violin. Who's played with a lot of bands, but she's, you know, she in the Memphis Symphony, so mm-hmm. she's like very proper, very incredible player. But she can also be rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I don't know how it happened, but Jeremy was kind of like, all right, you know, I've been with you guys forever. Like, yeah, I'll play drums, and he kind of yeah. sits in the background and plays the drums. And Jeremy's an, inc- you know, he's a singer songwriter. He's the lead front man of bands. But he learned music on drums. Mm-hmm. His dad's a drummer. Yeah. So that's his first instrument. Mm-hmm. That's what he come up on. Yeah. So he can he can play everything, but he can really play drums. Drums probably best, or singing. You know, he's he's probably just as good of a singer as he is drummer. Mm-hmm. So we got Jeremy, we got Adam, we got Jesse, we got Nick, Jeff, me, and all of a sudden we're this huge band, mm-hmm. and at about that time. We started getting bigger in Memphis, mm-hmm. which Memphis is a really hard city to get popular in. Yeah, and we were like, and we were kind of like the band. Everyone kind of laughed. Everyone kind of laughed at. Like, really? Look at those guys playing drums with their feet, playing these pop songs, these love songs. Mm-hmm. And it's a totally different thing. Yeah, yeah. We weren't like because it's like there's the garage rock and it's like you're cool and you know garage rock Mm -hmm. and it's about playing these fast songs and being a good guitar player but you're also kind of dirty and don't give an f you know and it's like and that's cool and Mm -hmm. like really big in the city actually and so being punk in a weird way you know and and then there's like like the, the the like pop music in memphis isn't really looked jt yeah yeah, but then J, but then you got JT, but yeah. he's huge. Mm-hmm. But in the local scene, now there's kind of a singer-songwriter thing, but we weren't really accepted. Mm-hmm. And then when we started doing this, our shows, we had balloon drops. Nick was doing a backflip in the show. He was a gymnast as well. So, like, confetti out of our pockets. A lot. We did... A lot of showmanship. We A lot of showmanship. A lot of bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. But, but underneath it was really good songs. Mm-hmm. And so, all of a sudden, we got cool, like, to the scene. All of a sudden, the scene thought we were cool, and yeah. we were accepted. Yeah. And this is about seven years in, you know, as a band. So, by the way, seven years might be the magic number. And then we start touring with that, and we do that. We, we do well, like, label interests, like, other label interests. You mm-hmm. know, we do South by Southwest. Um, that portion of the band ends up dying down, dying away. The tour side? Uh, no, the the big picture, like the violin, the accordion. Okay. We have... Was it because like, of touring so heavily? Or? Personality stuff, you know, okay. like people not getting along. Maybe that part of the band had actually ran its course, you know. It okay. was kind of like almost a novelty in a weird, you know, in a weird way. Mm-hmm. You know, it was hard. It was emotions and you know things didn't end well but in the end when all the ashes blew apart it was Nick Jeff and me 
and Jeremy was still there and he kind of went I think Jeremy kind of went through like a dark time and maybe he oh no he ended up getting really sick physically sick oh okay and uh, we were about to go on a big tour as a band the four of us and he wasn't able to go and he literally the day he was not able to go uh, he was in the hospital he ended up being in the hospital for like two months so what y'all do um after playing in a band with a drummer for a long time and then preparing for that and it was a CD release like all that stuff you know oh no we ended up playing the drums with our feet again and we were so like what do you call it Le- you know Rusty? like we're doing this again yeah like bitter you know we were like yeah. we're doing this again yeah you know we're mad we're mad probably at Jeremy even though it wasn't his fault yeah, we're just mad bad. at the situation mm-hmm. mad at each other it was a hard spot, and so we toured with Carolina Story, yeah, right there, from, right there, yeah, from picture, Times Square, yeah, husband and wife, Carolina Story. Look them up; they'll write some of the greatest songs mm-hmm. you'll ever hear. Husband and wife, they thank God they were there because, like, we ended up having a lot of fun and a lot of bonding and a lot of love. You know, filled that that gap, mm-hmm. um, made it a lot easier on the yeah. road. Funny quick story: the first time they ever. We were going to go on this huge tour together, and we had never met. Mm-hmm. Curry had booked all this. The guy that helped worked with Nick, you know, getting us the record deal with Arden. Curry booked the whole tour with Carolina Store. He's like, I just know y'all are going to get along. And we were like, we were kind of like talking crap yeah. as we were on the way to pick them up. We'd never met them. Yeah. They were kind of like maybe talking crap about us, I think. And we were all like, you know, kind of giving each other the eye, and they're walking down the driveway. Yeah. They get in the van, and the first thing Ben says, and he said it because he smelt it. He said, y'all wouldn't by any chance smoke the devil's cabbage, would you? <laughs> I, I smelt it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and Nick like was like, well, yeah, absolutely. Yes, we do. You know, and, and so immediately there was a lot of laughter. And yeah. that was kind of the beginning of family. You know, yeah. like we, we just... That night we played Tupelo at the Blue Canoe, and these guys were talking shit about us in the crowd while we were playing. And Ben was the uh, the singer of Carolina Story, yeah. was uh was there behind him listening to him. Oh man! And getting, I uh, and he came up to us after the show. And he's like, "I'm oh, so irate. I'm ready to." And Ben's huge. He's like, he's like Thor, and he's like, "I'm ready." He's got, and he was like talking crap to him, and like those are my brothers. And I was like, hey, Ben, you don't even know us. Calm yeah, down. Yeah. Like you're ready to get arrested yeah. for us, you know? Yeah, Calm, do, and Emily, Emily's a peacemaker. She's like a nine on the Enneagram, so she was like, Ben, calm down. You know, like we got a whole tour ahead of us. <laughs> so that just goes to show you, you know, like Ben's from Arkansas. You know, he's like his country accent, good old country boy, really thick, and he is very protective of those he loves. Yeah. And so that ended up being years of touring with them. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy got healthier. Um, so he would come back on the road? He came He came back to the band, and we started playing, and that, that never really ended, you know, from there. And so he's been with us on the road, on records, through all that. Mm-hmm. So then it was a four-piece again, and it kind of just always stayed that. We try to, like, add a keyboard player here and there, you know to fill things out and it or Ben actually from Carolina Story played electric guitar a little bit to kind of like fill things out but it's just always kind of 
it's like us against the world when we're together in a van, mm-hmm. the four yeah. of us, you know. Yeah. And love it, hate it, family, you know, like, you know, we could tear each other apart in two seconds. Yeah. You know, I, Jeremy could make me feel small in two seconds. Nick could make me feel small in two seconds. Mm-hmm. I could do the same. I can yeah. trigger, I can say something about, I probably already said something about Jeff on this podcast that made him pissed because <laughs> it's like we know each other in yeah. and out but it's like family and we've been through mm-hmm. a lot of crap there's a lot of bad stories yeah you know a lot of hurtful stories yeah it comes with the territory right with just yeah. touring and mm-hmm. band life and yeah being in a band and so we've been a four piece for probably about 10 years yeah 10 11 years and then me and jeff probably 15 yeah you know and so when y'all first started getting into the memphis scene I'm guessing this may have been the first time that I had seen y'all at Bill Street Music Festival. Maybe. Memphis in May. I think, because I've seen y'all twice, and both times it was it was a festival type event. We didn't really do Memphis. We never did Memphis in May until we were a full band, like a four-piece band with Jeremy. And I feel, time flies. It may not have been that long ago. So I'm it might not, not have been I'm that long sure. ago. It may have been just five years. It might have been five. Because I've been four times now. Yeah, we've played about three times, and it would be in the past, like, six, seven years. Like, in that, you know. That'd be about right. Maybe on the seventh year, and then maybe in the five, and then yeah. maybe in the three. Yeah. I know I've seen y'all there. Yeah. Yep. So, that's kind of the star I see. So, what's that experience Saga. like with, like, playing at those festivals is it kind of like backstage and getting to meet some of the other bands while they're there is it's nothing like that at all uh they're there they're some of them are cool some of them are sitting out on the porch and you can actually talk to them Mm -hmm. um you get your own trailer you know your own food that's cool load in sucks you know of course that's like anything else yeah load ins that's part of if you could hire people to be your road crew I could do music the rest of my life but man that's the part that eats you alive that's the wear and tear yeah that's kind of the slow rust but yeah we've done some backstage stuff met some people met I don't really have that many cool stories that I can think of Um, you find that a lot of the bands that have been around a long time Mm -hmm. those are the coolest you know those are those are usually the nicest Mm -hmm. like most humblest the younger guys the people coming up they, they kind of are kind of full of themselves, chip on their shoulder, yeah. But like, literally, like we played with Steve, the Steve Miller band and stuff like that, and cool. Steve Miller, you know, and but like his band and people that have been playing, you know, since the 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. those are the guys that actually come out and watch you, yeah, and like tell you, like come up to you after you're done and say, Good job, I like that song, blah blah blah, yeah. And you're like, What you like it, yeah, you took the time out to like sit and listen to mm-hmm. me, right. Awesome. So, yeah. But, yep. Yeah. And so, uh, there's a there's a whole saga, a whole story of with record label stuff, but... Uh, we'll leave it out. I'll leave it out. It's so exhausting, let's, and it's like going backwards in a spider web. Yeah. Well, let's talk, a little <laughs> bit, let's talk a little bit about you and what you have going on. So, you're getting ready to release your first EP. So yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so I... Recently, last fall, 2018, I, uh, I've always written solo music. I've mm-hmm. always, there's always stuff that doesn't fit in Star Mice. Rather be too spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, 
too like related to Christianity and like a little too touchy on certain subjects. Do you like John Foreman? John who? John Foreman. I don't think I've listened to John Foreman. He's a frontman for Switchfoot. Oh, I know exactly. And he, is. he has four albums that he did solo. It's uh, spring, summer, fall, and winter. I've heard about this. this yeah. Is, isn't it good? It's great. I haven't listened, but I've heard. Yeah. And it's just I like need... the seasons, you know. That's so cool. And it's like what you're saying right there. It's maybe too spiritual for Switchfoot. Uh-huh. And maybe it just needs him and a guitar. Yeah. Because a band would just be yeah. too much. <clears throat> yeah. That sounds awesome. It's a good listen, man. I need to do that. But, and so I, I had this one song I had written um, about my dog. Yeah. Whose name is uh, Betty. Yeah. And uh, she gets her name from the movie Blow, the song Black Betty, Rambo Lamb. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, I had her since she was a puppy. She could fit in my hand. Mm-hmm. Jeff was there. He's, he's our dad just as much as I am. And so I wrote this song about her... Um, from her perspective, and and I'll play it at the end of the podcast. Sure. But uh, and I liked it, and I recorded it on GarageBand, and I thought I did a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, like wow, I can actually sort of record and make sound sound kind of good and mm-hmm. like at least okay. And there was this guy in town that had um, we had toured, we had played shows with. He was in a band called the Rocket Boys. Okay. It was like a big band out of Austin, Texas. And uh, he had recently moved to Memphis mm-hmm. with his wife because it's way cheaper to live here and it's a music town. And he, I feel like he's from here, maybe. I can't quite remember. But uh, Jeremy mm-hmm. was like, you need to listen to his music. Like, it's really good. And it was, uh, he has a solo project. So okay. he has the Rocket Boys, which is a big band. And then he has a solo project called The Wealthy West. Okay. And Jeremy's like, you need to listen. And I listened. And it didn't hit me at first. But I kept listening, and I became obsessed with it, and listened to it all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm like, I want to meet up with him. He lives down the street from me. Like, why wouldn't I have coffee with him? Mm-hmm. So I hit him up, and I'm like, let's get coffee. And he's like, okay, yeah, let's get coffee. And so we got coffee, and I was like, I'm thinking about doing some solo stuff, blah, blah, blah. See, you do solo stuff. How do you do it? And he kind of just explained, like, well, I've been recording home recording music for like 10 plus years and I do everything from home and I find out he's done this this music I've been listening to oh at his home at his home and it sounds incredible mm-hmm. it sounds huge so is this where this idea was birthed right here yeah this room mm-hmm. yeah okay. the room we're in yeah. and so he's like so and blah 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 and I did you know and he kind of tells me his story and then he offers to help me he was like why don't you come by the house and I'll record that song you wrote about your dog for you. Mm-hmm. And I go over there, and as soon as I get there, we could BS and talk forever. But he's like, "Why don't we, why don't we pull your guitar out? Let's just start." And so he starts recording, and um, I do the song. He ends up playing like a lot of the the other instruments that the song's already mapped out. Like I recorded it with all the parts, and so he knows what to do, and I know what to do. Mm-hmm. Like here's the piano, and here's and. Within three hours, we have this huge song. Like, it sounds beautiful. Even though it's sparse, it sounds big. It's bigger than anything I've heard me record, you know, or like through a home recording. Mm -hmm. And it inspires me and blows me away. It's like, he, he just did this at his house in three hours. Yeah. Of course, 10 
15 years plus experience goes into that so I'm finding out yeah and um he mixes it he gives it he takes a day to mix it and he gives it to me and I'm like this I'm gonna make a solo EP yeah and this is gonna be the song you know that stars it end up like reaching out I've got some buddies that make a music video to it and I start I'm like I'm gonna commit mm-hmm. and I'm gonna do the rest of this album through home recordings mm-hmm. myself maybe I'll reach out and get some help and so I make the commitment I get like a really good interface the universal audio I get the monitors I buy Logic mm-hmm. instead of GarageBand because Logic is is like GarageBand but it's way more in depth offers so much more offers so much and so I start getting into that world and I start and this was only since last fall and I start making these songs and I, I think I've got four now and I'm proud of them mm-hmm. you know and I think they sound cool and they feel cool and Brandon even that's Brandon of the Wealthy West the guy that recorded the song he even offered like when you're done when you think you're done you have all the songs hand them over to me and I'll mix them a little extra you know like run them through a few things that he's probably knows and tricks processors mass you know things that'll make it bump a little bit more Mm -hmm. stuff that i haven't learned yet yeah and so anyway i've I've been like surprised at how like the recordings have gotten better and so i'm kind of getting into that world not just songwriter not just singer not just the band but producer producer and recording Mm -hmm. you know and it's really fun and it's really cool and it's just as much of a challenge as everything else. It's so it's very daunting too. Yeah. Because you hit a lot of walls. Yeah. I know just seeing what you've accomplished so far in your studio, I was like, I'm just a couple of steps behind you and it's like cool <laughs> it's kinda cool to see the vision I had. Is, yeah. 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 Cool. It's it's doable. Yeah. I see it. Yeah. And it, my we were buying our house from my father in law and uh he was like we were kind of like always joking about the idea like you need a little your own spot you know your own little studio shed mm-hmm. and a buddy at the time was doing the same thing and I'm like I'll, I'll, I'll do that we know this incredible carpenter and who you should just have on your podcast since you said yeah, art craftsmanship yeah. craftsmanship this guy's incredible and he's a musician uh, he built this he built the shed this half shed half studio and then and then I had to do all the he would have done it for me but it would have been more money. I did all the cutting, the laying the vinyl floor, the cutting the trim, you know, the AC, just like little things little that things. ended up taking a lot of time because I'm learning. Mm-hmm. And like I said, my buddy Will came over and put acoustic foam up. And so, you know, you have to have other people. Yeah. None of this would be possible. And so I'm working on that, and I'm going to work on recording demos of the new Star Mice music we're working on, too, because Star Mice has been practicing every Monday, yeah. which we only would practice if we had a big show. Mm-hmm. We never practiced because we always we just all know the songs instinctually. Yeah, we've been playing so long yeah. together, right? And then you'll not practice for three months and play a big show and sound great. And yeah. so you're like, well, crap, why would we ever practice? You know, you take it for granted. Yeah. But we've been practicing, and writing and concentrating because we're going to try to do an album later this year mm-hmm. and I want to use this space and learning a learning curve to like record our songs absolutely man it'll be, uh, it'll be well worth it yeah and so later this fall I'm going to release uh, my solo album I'm calling I'm calling the whole project Black Betty 
Cool. So the name, the album, you know. Betty Song. Yeah. Yeah, Betty Song is called Alone. Oh, okay. So if you look it up, it'll be Black Betty. You know, on Instagram, Black Betty, on Bandcamp. Um, I don't have that stuff up yet, but I will at the end of this year, and I'll do a little uh, house show uh, tour. Cool. Maybe you can get down into Columbus, man. Yeah, I probably will. Great. That, that, yeah, I'll probably do it at the Munson's house. Perfect. You know, or uh, Lance. Yeah. So. Great. You want to close this out with a song? Yep. So let me uh, make sure I'm in tune. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> News and notes. Hey guys, Porch Talk is almost a year old, so shout out to you who have been on this fun ride since the beginning, and those of you just joining from this episode or a few episodes ago, hey, I'm glad you're here. And just to give you an idea of how this podcast was set up, it was Memorial Day, and I was helping Ryan Munson down at the Trading Post. We were uh, making mosquito repellent to get an order out from Munson and Brothers. And uh, I was think I was telling him about uh, the vision or goal I had given my podcast, Sports Talk, about like a southeastern tour where I would hit every big music town in the southeast and just see what musical guests I could get on the show. And he's like, well, if you're going to do Memphis, I know somebody. And so he knew Josh, and so I'd reached out to Josh and exchange contacts and I think like between Memorial Day and up to the day that we did the podcast it may have been like 15 texts it was like hey I'm introductions and I gave him a brief outline on the show and what I had in mind and then I was doing a little bit more research on Josh and I had asked Ryan I think the day before I was going up to Memphis it was like uh, you give me a you give me some pointers or some leads for questions and he's nah You'll be fine. So thanks, Ryan. <laughs> and it was. It uh, it went well. I certainly enjoyed it. I hope you did. Love to hear from y'all. Uh, we are on social media. We have Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So uh, you can, same as the podcast logo, you can find us, Porch Talk underscore 101 on Twitter and Instagram, and it's just Porch Talk on Facebook. You can find us there. And, the other things that we're involved in, is such as making videos, and now we got a couple other projects coming out. The website's coming out soon for Porch Talk. I think it'll probably, I'll have to after this episode because I have to uh, move all my storage to a centralized place. So that'll be cool, and so that will lend itself to being able to share YouTube videos of the artists I have on, and also. If I have a craftsman or someone that you actually need to see what they're doing, uh, we can make a video of that to show you. So, excited about that. Well, guys, talk long enough. So glad that y'all are listening, and uh, I hope it's as transformative and inspiring uh, as it is to me. It it helps to be able to sit down with people in the field that uh, that you love and admire. And hear their story so anyway without further ado here's your notes this is Alone by Joshua Cosby so here it is the song that started the solo it's called
called uh, it's called Alone from the perspective of a 14 year old mutt mixed with a Basenji I woke up this morning Thank you for sitting down with us for another episode of Porch Talk. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, please have me again. And uh, yeah. like I said, I'm sure any of the other guys in the band would like to do this. Or Brandon from the yeah. Wealthy West. Or um, Fran Mooney from Redeemed Outdoors who built this. Yeah, I'd love to have all of them. Fran's pretty intense. 
<laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.